This is Pop Fiction Women. I'm Corinne. I'm Kate. And we're complicated. Blunt. Total boss. But sometimes a mess. Opinionated. But never boring. And in this podcast, we're discussing the complicated women of the best books, TV, and movies. Along with the complicated women behind the scenes. We are doing something a little different. A new type of show. We're going to let you have a sneak peek behind the curtain of how we choose what we're going to cover on Pop Fiction Women. So usually one of us will read or watch something that we both immediately love and it's a done deal. Or if we don't really know it, if it's new, we let a third party kind of tip us over like Buzz on Instagram as we've talked about with Bridgerton and also I Care A Lot. Mm -hmm. Or if something's getting a lot of critical acclaim or nominated for awards that will tip us over or even you know just a really passionate email or dm but the truth is a lot of good content gets left out even that we might both want to do both be interested in both see the value in but we just can't cover everything so that's what today's episode is really all about we're going to bring our private conversations into the public on the podcast and try to convince the other person that we need to cover something in our new show called convince me to we're starting with convince me to watch wandavision for me and i hate Susie for you i feel a lot of pressure here because (laughs) as a litigator i feel Mm. as if i should have all like my persuasive points laid out like I, I feel a real sense of responsibility to win this oh. convince you <laughs> to win this <laughs> you know me I picture it's like oh a contest everything's a contest oh <laughs> meanwhile so I think funny. I've already heard such wonderful things about WandaVision I'm sure whatever you're gonna tell me I'll be convinced but either way I don't know I, I feel as if this is uh, I gotta get all my good points in Oh my goodness, that's very interesting. I did mm-hmm. not feel that way. <laughs> I actually, I'm like, I'm going to talk about WandaVision because I really want to talk about WandaVision. But if you don't watch it or like it, it's kind of your loss. It's not I really know. my loss. I get, it. I get it. And I think of it as I must win. You see how this goes? Yes, that's so interesting. Oh my I goodness. Know. Oh, so a little like, psychological study between us already off the gate. I, exactly. <laughs> What's your damage? We didn't build that into this one, but clearly we're starting out with it. Exactly. Now I want to hear about WandaVision. And I want to hear about it from not someone who's not my husband and my young boys. Well, that is kind of the point of why I wanted to do it. So I have to say, I am not a Marvel person. I no. I have nothing against them. I actually think I, I've seen Iron Man. I think I think there's more than one, but I've seen I saw the first one. I don't know, and I thought it was great. I loved it. I like Rob Jenny Jr. They are obviously a franchise that's doing so much, especially in comparison to some of the other franchises. They're doing so much as far as breaking gender stereotypes, embracing racial inclusion or in- inclusion of all other members of society that don't don't mm-hmm. look like what we consider the norm for superheroes. WandaVision blends the style of classic sitcoms with the Marvel comic universe in which Wanda Maximoff and Vision, two superpowered superpowered beings living their ideal suburban lives begin to suspect that not everything is as it seems, which is very vague but actually completely perfect. And 
the amazing thing is you don't know what's going on. We watched it week by week. It was torture getting through a week waiting to find out what was yeah. going to happen next. And what the, we watched it as it came out. And I was so on the edge of my seat. And I know there are some things floating out there, but I kind of really loved finding all of it out week by week. And I don't want to, I really don't want to spoil yeah. anything, even if yeah. people wouldn't think it's a spoiler. So the first few episodes sh showcase Wanda, who is a witch, a superhero, and Vision, who's a synthesoid superhero, <laughs> living in a domest very domestic suburban life. These episodes intentionally invoke decades of sitcoms, starting with the, I think it's the 50s or 60s, it's Bewitched, I Dream of Jeannie, there's Dick Van Dyke, there's all these little, right. you know, little nods. And I guess it's probably the same as Marvel. There's a, I'm sure there's a lot in every episode that little winks to things about Marvel that you would know, but no one right. in my family knew them. And so we didn't we weren't missing anything. Same thing with the sitcoms. Obviously, my kids don't have any idea what those sitcoms are like and didn't need to 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 sort of watch the evolution of it. So then the next week, it goes to like the, the 70s, the 80s. There was a lot of too close for comfort, growing pains, the That's 90s. So awesome. Yeah, they start to break the fourth wall like The Office does. And oh, my God. Yeah. And as far as I know, again, I'm certain that there are people that saw all sorts of Easter eggs or or hints and references to Marvel, but I saw nothing. And there certainly mm -hmm. is nothing like the trademark action sequences, battles, right. bombs. Right, right. Uh -huh. Nothing is happening like that. These really do kind of look like a weird like episode of a sitcom you were once watching. And yeah, you know, my husband actually said, to your point, like he, mm -hmm. of course, knows all the Marvel stuff, but doesn't know a lot of the sort of older sitcoms. And he said the same as oh, you, like you didn't need to. And he actually felt like, like Dick Van Dyke, he used an example. He's like, I've never seen that show in my life. And yet somehow right. watching this, I kind of got a sense of it. And like, they did a great job even for someone from his perspective, who doesn't know the sitcom element. So you're all saying the same thing, which is you don't, mm -hmm. there's so many different things you can get out of you this could. show, even if right. you don't know the Marvel or you don't know the sitcom And I imagine history. if somebody did know, they might even think it was even more wonderful than I did, which yeah, seems impossible right. because I really loved it. <laughs> but it was, but also every week, like for four straight weeks, every time we were like, what is happening? The show like would end and be like, what's going on? You just don't have any idea. It really is structured like a sitcom. Like they have the bosses, the boss and his wife over for dinner one night and she's spinning plates and trying to put together food with her magic, but also, and he's accidentally walking through walls. So it's this crazy offbeat thing, but also very normal. And that's the whole episode. Like, you know, the, the, foibles of having your boss over for dinner and like it doesn't go well in the order takeout and you know it's just like what ha nothing happens <laughs> but somehow you believe and trust that that it will that something is going to happen and god let me tell you the ending first of all the ending delivers on all of the things that you expect from marvel uh, you know explosions effects you know battles and good and evil and all these kind of crazy things so the end delivers on that but the way you get there without having lost that feeling of like this show is really about domestic life and mm -hmm. it's about 
domestic life. It's about love. It's about motherhood. It's about the suburbs and, and a commentary on, on what people find appealing and or offensive or revolt, you know, like rebel against for the suburbs. And it's also, as I said before, about gr grief and loss and pain. And now that's not a spoiler to anyone who knows anything about the Marvel universe, but I did mm -hmm. not. And so a lot of that grief and loss and pain, because something happens before the show even starts that anyone would know if they know the Marvel universe, but I did not. And so all right. of that was really a real revelation to me. And which I didn't know either. I told you, I, uh, yeah. that's why I didn't know it was a show about grief. And I actually specifically <laughs> said to my son, oh my God, as I was doing this research, I'm like, oh my God, so WandaVision's about grief? And he's just like, what? where have you been? Because like, to your mm. point, like everyone, yeah. that even is something that's known before you even start watching start this show watching about it. Wanda and Vision. And I was just like, I don't know any of this. No. They're just laughing at me. Like you live under a rock. But Right. Well, yeah, I yeah, live well, under that same rock. But I'm here to tell you that even if you live under that rock, it doesn't matter. It's so, the story is so beautifully told. And by the way, it, it tracks the, because as we're saying, whatever happened that I won't give away, even if you know it, is something bad happens before the show starts. So what's mm -hmm. the first stage of grief? Denial. So of yeah. course, it starts mm -hmm. out as if that bad thing hasn't happened. And it just they're, they're here in the suburbs, and they're loving their lives together. And it's so sweet. Mm -hmm. And they have this cute little house and you you know that something's not right, but you have I had no idea what it was. Now your kids definitely had better idea of what it was than I did, but it just it just sort of unfolds all of that story, which is amazing that they could tell a story that could entertain both someone who knew everything and both and someone who knew nothing about the Marvel right. world. And so they they gave us that backstory without ever taking someone else out of the story, which is just so deftly done it's really really amazing but but as with you and your argument the most revolutionary aspect of this show is wanda herself mm -hmm. our complicated woman and really what makes her fascinating is that she it all kind of stems from the fact that she is a marvel superhero because the things that make that unusual are mundane that are incredibly common the fact that she is a wife like our, I don't know a lot about the Marvel Universe but it's not I know it's not a big show about you know motherhood being married. yeah or being <laughs> yeah. married or, oh even. you're like, right, right? Sorry. because yeah. at first she starts out just married and then she does yes she gets pregnant and she is pregnant on the show and I'm like is there any superhero who's ever been pregnant now of course she does pregnancy like a superhero so it's not like they make her not a superhero her pregnancy lasts a day and and her childbirth like is like 15 minutes and so obviously she does everything in a superhero fashion but it is what she's doing is incredibly common and domestic and mundane you know just being married and having kids and yet when you put it through Wanda's perspective and point of view it's revolutionary. It's incredible to watch. And you don't even realize that you're watching something so incredible until you're seeing it. And you're like, oh, my God, I've never seen a pregnant superhero. I've never seen a pregnant or a superhero like 
who, whose babies won't sleep. I don't, you know, it's just, it's, it's that what I love is hyper reality, right? It's, it's real, but told in a way that isn't real. So that, you know, she, you know, she's carrying her twins. She has, ends up having two boys and she carries them like floating you know I can't do that but have I but what she's doing is walking around because they won't sleep and so that I've done oh, <laughs> and so oh, that's so cool it is it's really and I, again I don't know that I would have understood that any of that mattered until I was watching it and I was like holy shit this is something I've never seen before and usually what we're saying is holy shit I've never seen you know woman masturbating and you're like that's really revolutionary a, a woman being a mother is not revolutionary but because it's Wanda, because it's mm-hmm. Marvel, because it's a superhero, it really is. And so it, it was just amazing to watch. And I felt stunned by the show all the time. But let me tell you, it's when even when she gets past all of that and when we really find out who the villain is, and I won't spoil that even if you know, wow. I mean, that, it, it I guess I'll spoil it. It's a woman. And so you mm-hmm. have the good guy and the bad guy both being these complicated women and they don't, they do not spare the character development on the villain. I mean, they give her a th- whole three-dimensional life. They give her a whole backstory. It is yeah. so good. And I it's, didn't know, I didn't yeah, know, I've only, I just knew it was a woman only from like pictures, but, and I don't know anything about the character, but I have read a lot about Jack Schaefer, which we'll get to, but she, that's like her big thing is making villains in superheroes more multidimensional, male and female. Like give them stories, tell a complex villain. Don't, there's not just good or bad. So I love that. That sounds like she clearly did that here. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's amazing because the episode eight is the penultimate episode. And I, I watched it like four times already and I can imagine I'll watch it again the last one too is really good it's so powerful but from our perspective on this podcast and what we love about complicated women that second to last episode is so freaking good and it starts out with the villain and it starts out with her as a younger version of herself and it's this moment where she has to choose kind of is she going to be good or is she going to be bad and you can see she really wants to be good but it's just not her and it's so yeah it's so incredible to watch it and she's like I she's like I want to be good I, I promise I can be good and everyone knows that it's not true it's just not who she is and you know it's arguable whether she's just saying that because she knows she's supposed to say that or whether she really does want it, but she can't do it. The fact of the matter is she can't and she has just got this evil in her that she has to act on. And it's just so wow, fascinating. that sounds amazing. Yeah, and then also there's a world, uh, and I won't, there's a another, like you cut away to other parts, uh, the more mar- Marvel, you know, kind of in the Marvel world where the pe- there's the people tracking and and knowing about superheroes and so those people out there think of Wanda as the villain and so but yet in in Wanda's world and in the world you're watching when you're there you're like she's not the villain she's the one who's in pain she's the our hero she's the one we're rooting for and so 
just the complexity of who's the bad guy, who's the good guy, who are we rooting for, who can you get behind? It's so complicated and there's a piece of it in, in all of them. I, I think they've positioned them all as they could be the hero or they could be the villain and and they all believe what they're doing is the exact right thing to do. And this is why I've said once that that it really is a, a commentary on the suburbs because I, I, it's a huge giveaway, so I won't spoil it. But there is just an idea of when you are in this area, and we talked about this, or I talked about it with Alice and Wisdom, with We Can Only Save Ourselves, are the suburbs safe or are you, when you're in the suburbs, are you safe or are you trapped? And mm-hmm. and the the true answer to that is both because someone might feel safe and someone feels trapped and yeah. it's not it's not clearly one thing and man WandaVision yeah. del- delivers on on coming through on that theme in many uh, levels yes, on many levels on the complexity yeah so that's what I had read her saying that even with her own kids that they are really obsessed with who like a lot of kids with who the good guys or the bad guys are mm-hmm. and she explains to them all the time like every good guy can be a bad guy and vice versa it's complicated yeah. she said <laughs> but yeah. but that's sort of lost on them but she said that's one of the things she thinks can and should be explored in in, in the future which is that she hopes they'll move and I think she's specifically here talking about the superhero movies but towards the gray and towards complexity and it sounds like she clearly nailed that in Wanda. she did she did and, and it is yeah I was gonna say I have seen a lot of the Marvel shows and movies and because of my family and some of them do do this but I do think that that's where they're going more right. towards and I and I hope they do for the reason she said yeah and the reasons yeah. we love yeah and, and you can just see they're so convinced you know the villain and the hero are so convinced that what they're doing is the right thing and they don't see all the things they're either ignoring or or people that they're actually really hurting and everybody experiences that no matter whose side you're on no matter who you're rooting for everybody gets exposed as you think you're doing the right thing but but look at all of these other people or things or what you're affecting and who you're hurting and it's really complex. It's really fascinating. Did you see the Black Panther? I did not know because she cites that one, and I agree with her. Um, of Michael B. Jordan's like villain character as being sort of one of the more nuanced and complex. And is it really what's good or bad? Like, and I agree. I thought that was a great one. If you if you want to dip your toe further into true superhero movies, that's that one. I would. I would recommend. She does cite that as one of her favorites too, and I I do agree with that. I've heard. I've I don't know if that's Marvel or not. I don't yeah. know all the you know who's <laughs> right. on whose side there, but right. yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, I've heard the same thing about the nuance and complexity of that that character. Yeah, it's a good one. And then one of the other themes that I found really interesting in this was, and it's not as big as as the grief and the marriage motherhood partnership protecting the ones you love versus you know sheltering them it had to do with siblings and this is again something in the marvel universe wanda and her brother are were orphaned at a very young age and they are all they have it just was very touching and it was a complicated part of it the way they use it 
in the show, I, it has a lot of spoilers, so I won't say, but that sibling dynamic and just, I just love that extension of family. Family, like the people that you do anything for usually, or and that also fuck you up, usually come mm-hmm. to, or, you know, totally screw your mind, are always about the family of origin, like your parents, or mm-hmm. about your the, the family that you make. And this it doesn't really get talked about as much and the siblings and how they can be there for you, but also can be a weakness and for ah, someone to exploit. We, we talk about that personally, Corinne. We do. So, um, <laughs> we do. <laughs> this already sounds interesting to me. Yeah. Point in WandaVision's favor again. <laughs> it was well done in this one. That was another right. big, yeah, another big draw for me. But honestly, Elizabeth Olsen. I was just going to say, when God. are we just going to say Elizabeth Olsen? Because that was, that, that would be... That was uh, your lead. That's your Phoebe Waller Bridge. Maybe. Not, yes. It's close. It's close she, for me. That's she <laughs> is utterly captivating. Captiv- yeah. I mean, it's yes, she's beautiful, but it's just something I don't know. There's something about her. And I want to say star quality, but literally everyone has star quality that's on, you know, a, a show as big as this. There is just something completely mesmerizing about her that I just wanted to watch. Uh, something about her voice. Her, I don't know what it is. It's it's incredible. I wanted to watch everything. I was so obsessed. Yeah, she is captivating. I don't know what it is either. I I, I think her eyes, they're like big and expressive. I don't know. Yes, her eyes. She, yeah. Yeah. And I haven't watched. I'm just saying I've seen her in other things or just like photographs. I'm just, there's something she draws you in. So. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Her Maybe her big eyes. Her voice is definitely a big part of it. And the way she speaks, I don't know. She, it, I could watch her literally do anything. And she was really fascinating. And Catherine Hahn, who is... Mm. Uh, Everyone Wa- loves her. Yes, plays Wanda's neighbor and partner in crime is so good. And I also just love that... You know, they haven't, she hasn't, she needs to do it for herself, I guess, because we now know Matthew McConaughey coined his own McConaissance. But I feel like Catherine Hahn is ha- Rahanaissance. Oh my God, Rahanaissance. <laughs> she just has broken out in ways that, you know, it, you, she's just at a time in her career and in her life when this is the time where you'd expect her to be going by the wayside. She's in huge commercial things, she's in indie stuff, she's in Marvel. I mean, she's just hitting such a stride at a time when you would expect her to be fading out. And she actually talked about it. I read an interview with her and she was saying this, as I was saying it offline with you, she is not this, you know, just do do whatever and don't question anything. But then also she's not on the other end of the spectrum who's overthinking every single step of her career. She's just kind of like, I put one foot in front of the other and it has led me here and that's so incredible and I'm so grateful for all of it and I'm like how do you do that how (laughs) how do you do that I don't know I can tell you how but I do it without any thought and I'm not sure you want to go quite far as far as me (laughs) because that's yeah and that's not what she was saying it's like she just she it's like she makes a decision after everything like after everyone it's whereas me I'm like I set on a path I make the decision for the path and then I'm like okay now here's all of my next 10 years or these are the the milestones that I'm looking at and she's like look I take this role I like it this is what I do with it I figure out what I've learned and then she lets all of that inform her next decision so it's like 
she goes on autopilot and then stops quickly and then you know what I mean it's more of that it's more of like don't question it once you've made the decision but then question every big decision in between I'm a big fan of her she is quite a gem quite a gem I love that you've just coined Hanassans somebody's got to get that to her they do it's right yes so oh my gosh but again as I said with I hate Susie if all of that doesn't convince you you should just want to do everything or or take in everything that Jack Schaefer puts out there for our what she said yes I can agree with that I'm now a huge fan of Jack Schaefer oh my gosh so she start do you know that she started out writing like straight rom-com and Mm -hmm. nothing was breaking out for her nothing was like coming together for her and she used a high concept sci-fi idea called the timer Mm-hmm. And that movie got she got that movie made and it got into Tribeca and that really kind of ended up being her pay dirt. That's what broke her in. And and the timer is, do you know about this movie? It's a it's a, a plain old fashioned love story. Like a girl, a woman wants to meet her the one. She wants to find him. And the the sci-fi hook is that there's a device that you can have implanted in your wrist. You like go to the Apple store, which did not feel too far fetched for me. And they implant a, a little small timer in your wrist. And that timer tells you, you will meet your soulmate when this timer counts down. Yeah. And she said, this is such a great concept. Yeah. Well, and she said she got the idea from her brother was getting married and her mother had like a little automated clock and it's like yay 72 days to the wedding and it was this countdown clock and it was the next day it would be like 72 71 days and she was not married or partnered or and she was feeling like she wanted to meet her the one she was like if I just had a clock then I could relax Mm -hmm. okay if it's gonna you can tell me it's gonna be five years that's cool I'll I'll be cool but like am I supposed to be looking every day am I missing them what's going on (laughs) and so she thought, you know, the first premise was if I just had this clock that would tell me when it would happen, I could relax and so and enjoy it until then. And so that was what what started the concept. Of course, it turns out terribly wrong and and the movie gets more complicated because she gets her chip put in, but if your soulmate doesn't have his chip put in, then your timers can't go together. Ah, that's a good yeah. point. And so, and she spots someone else's timer and she likes him. So she tries to orchestrate their timers to go off at the same, or to pretend like she's going to just run into him when his timer goes off. And so there's a lot of complication that she, and nuance that she puts into that idea, but it's a pretty fascinating idea. But it's really a straight rom-com. It's really a straight you know, girl needs wants partner for her life. She has everything else and now she wants a partner. And then that honed her voice for The Shower, which is a story about a baby shower where the guests find themselves under a meteor, meteor shower. And these meteors, yes, these meteors turn men into blood-hungry aliens and women have to fight not only to save themselves, but also the world. So yeah. it was this mashup of things that got her you know that she that was where she found her voice was this 
mashup and it started with a little bit of a high concept hook in the timer and then really took off in the shower and my quote is when she talked about the shower and and how she came to for for that idea and by the way the shower got her blacklisted as we've talked about Uh, yeah a a few other people we've talked about the blacklist for most notably recently Jessica Knoll got uh, a script on the blacklist and how that really opens doors I mean in in Hollywood it's a insider's you know pot of gold and so that getting the shower on the blacklist was a huge jump for her and that is what opened the door to so many other jobs and eventually got her into the marvel universe which is incredible as it is but but she says in the shower i was so motivated to disprove a lot of misconceptions about women and our action sci-fi genre about the characterization of women on screen about women behind the camera about what female audiences are interested in seeing i had this axe to grind and i really poured it onto the page it was really gratifying when it landed on the blacklist i wanted to prove i could write something funny with female characters and heart pounding action i couldn't get it down on the page fast enough when you're frustrated with your regular life you can use the page to exercise those demons and feelings it can be cathartic It was just hitting against the same walls in the industry. I felt like I was trying to put myself in different boxes and not being successful. I wrote the shower for my own heart and my own authentic voice. Oh, look at this. And that, I know, and that was what got her to Marvel. And not only to Marvel, but being trusted with this WandaVision. What I love about WandaVision is it's two things mashed up, and that makes Mm. it so unexpected. When do you think of classic sitcoms with Marvel, right? Marvel is... Never. It's the opposite. They're they're almost the opposite. A a classic sitcom's in a house with your parents and or your kids. And, you know, a Marvel is like literally in the sky and fighting. I did not fully appreciate that mashup until I started researching this again. Another thing my family made fun of me for. And that I just love that that's just a passion of hers too. Just like classic TV. She's just a huge fan. And I, I just... I think that's really cool that she was able to merge those two universes. Yeah, especially since something... she knew nothing about Marvel. Yeah, no, yeah. I know. I, yeah. It's 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 really crazy. Although, you know, what I thought was interesting is I, I don't maybe I shouldn't have poo pooed. She's you know writing for for you know Marvel, but I would have thought you know that maybe you'd feel more constricted in some ways trying to be obviously with WandaVision she didn't, but. But I was thinking even with Black Widow, I mean, these characters are just so well-established. Right. You know, but she said that it's actually the opposite, that when she, she said one might think these current projects afford her less creative autonomy than an indie project where she's at the helm. But she says within the parameters of the carefully crafted Marvel mythology, there is a kind of delicious amount of freedom She said, in the indie space, you have all this control, but you're pulling a boulder up a mountain for a year or two years. Whereas somewhere like Marvel, there's all this enormous infrastructure. And so there's no friction on feasibility. The limit is your imagination. That kind of freedom is almost euphoric. And I was like, oh, I guess so. I just would have thought it would have been the opposite, but, or that there's so much pressure too. Yeah. Um, 
you know, with these fans that just oh my gosh, you know, yes, they're well, just so yeah, she said, right. She said she's not. There's certain fans that she's not afraid of offending. Yeah, because exactly. in the name of progress. <laughs> yes, but no, I it's true. Too. But I loved her. What you just read about like when she's doing it all on her own, it's like pushing a boulder up a hill by herself. Now, now yeah. she has like a whole, you know, first of all, a wealth of uh, knowledge of the universe that already exists that she can pull from and she can take little, you know, she said she was like pouring over comics and taking little tiny images and especially for vision, she was using those and that delight and surprised people who got them because she was so deeply in it. But, but yeah, that, that, that somehow, and it makes sense in life though it doesn't automatically it doesn't make sense immediately but it does seem like in life sometimes you have to have some restrictions or a structure to feel really free when you have when you have everything just, just a blank slate it feels paralyzing but when you can put some restrictions on it there's actually can be more freedom and that makes sense there's yeah there's also probably there's just a lot of money behind it too i mean the freedom oh absolutely there too. i mean yeah that's a pretty pretty i would say liberating part of it too i mean the fact that she got to write both black widow and wanda i mean natasha and wanda are two in the comic universe like two really strong women there aren't that many others honestly mm-hmm. And someone asked her if there was any, you know, secret to, you know, writing superheroes, you know, and, and they were comparing Natasha, who is Black Widow, who does not actually have any superpowers, which you might not know. I mean, no. she's just sort of a train. Yeah, Natasha does not. She, Black Widow is just sort of a trained Russian kind of KGB type. She's like more Mortal Kombat type thing, but has no actual superpowers, whereas Wanda does and most of the Marvel characters do but she said but I think if there's any secret to writing superheroes is that the superpower and the ability is always the embellishment it's always about the internal life of the character and Natasha and Wanda are very different but they both have really rich internal lives and they're very complicated and flawed women which is the best kind and really that's what she's focused on and that's why she's gonna make is so memorable both of these characters because that's the way she sees it which i think is really cool and the last the last quote i have is just she said i choose to be part this is like her sort of mantra or uh, i choose to be part of projects that are about positive representation we need to see women we need to see people of color we need to see nuanced experiences and we need to see different perspectives on screen I choose to work with people who are interested in changing perspectives for the better and putting a world on screen that is something we can aspire to and have conversations about and moving in a direction that will create a world I hope will be better for my children. And I'm like, yes, if you, my friend, are creating more things and comic book movies that so many people see with that kind of mantra, I think we're going to see a big shift uh, for the better. Absolutely. Yeah. So my takeaway, I'm very interested in WandaVision here. I told you I've been getting a lot of pressure at home, but I knew you would make the case from a perspective that I think, you know, the the Marvel fans I live with here, we're not, we're not making as articulately as you. And I would discount uh, the, uh, personally, I would discount that kind of enthusiasm from a Marvel fan because I'm like, well, I just don't get it. But 
right as right, a non-marvel exactly. person there's so much there for you and like i said episode eight is the real kicker when we f- you find out well you find out who the villain is in the last one but you find out about her development and it's it's a good it, it's just a a great show and it is so interesting to see complicated women on so many levels right and how we are just really talking about complicated meaning three-dimensional human beings because this is a pretty wholesome show there's no yeah you know alcoholism there's no sex it is woman doing domestic things and you're like where how is this going to be complicated and yet it really is we get to see so many different aspects of her life her love for vision her childhood her brother the villain she's fighting against and what they're fighting for and what what they each think they're accomplishing and who they're actually really hurting and it's so good it really is you know when we interviewed alicia rye do you remember at the end we asked her what are you into or what are you watching or reading do you this no. she said wandavision oh i don't she said remember. wandavision but but you and i knew because my they had just started it i think but my my family meaning but i didn't know it was written by i didn't know jack schaefer i didn't know it was a woman involved like i knew what it was just because my family but yeah right. she was she was so enthusiastic i there feel like go. she tipped us off yes well <laughs> it's just funny you know like this whole podcast that a complicated woman is really not one thing and i love that we have the, it. There were some frightening similarities in the things that we talked about for both "I Hate Susie" and WandaVision, and yet I can't imagine them being any more different in any tone, different. right? In tone True. and vehicle for the complicated mm-hmm. woman, but yet there were so many of the same themes: grief, family issues, you know, discovering who you are, and and how to have the strength to be that, which is ultimately what Wanda has to find the strength to accept reality and not, you know, live in her grief. And so many of the same themes and very, very different. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Oh, my gosh. You know, one other random thing I, I read that I thought you'd like about Jack Schaefer. She said, people say a lot of really wonderful things about our show and that it's so groundbreaking and it's so original and it breaks rules. And she says, my response to that is, go sit down and watch I May Destroy You. And I was like, wow, yes. look at that. Yeah. And I also read something about how, about like, what are you reading right now or watching that you love? And she said, The Flight Attendant. So clearly ah. we are on the same page as Jack Schaefer. I love her. Jack Schaefer was one of those that went above and beyond for me. I was like, God, I want to be her. I need to see her. And did you read that her dad basically told her when she was 12 years old that she should be a director like he explained the job and was like you'd be so good at that and I'm like why was nobody telling me like what I should you know consider I being know. I wouldn't even have known what that was then I did see that and and the funny thing was it was because she wanted to be an actress and he was like well if that's what you want to do it wasn't like she's like I'm going to be a lawyer and he's like no 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 you should be a director he right. wasn't mansplaining True. she was like I want to be an actress I want to be in movies and he was like okay do that but but also learn how to direct and figure that out because you'd be good at it and then you're in control and you have a much better career life. And that, I think, goes 
brilliant. Yeah, and then she like started, you know, reading Entertainment Weekly every week and like, you know, following Sundance and other film festivals. I mean, she's been motivated, <laughs> ambitious person since since an early age. It's very, yes. pretty impressive. Yeah. And now she says like, running a writer's room and being a showrunner, she thought, you know, that directing was just what she always wanted to be. And then she had small kids and it was, it's not an easy job or role when you have that, but she's loving, she says, being a showrunner and mm-hmm. right in, and mm-hmm. being in a writer's room, which, yeah. and she's sort of finding new love, which I thought was really cool. I do too. I love that. She was impressive. Very impressed with oh, all of these boy. women and these shows. So we have, we have some work to do now. We want to let you know we've launched a Patreon page where supporters can receive perks like bonus episodes and exclusive content. Because Pop Fiction Women is our passion project, a place where we give women space to show up and offer in-depth analysis in the ways we're used to hearing about male creators and their characters. We delve into creativity and psychology with a dash of astrology. And we have so much fun doing it. Just two friends breaking down books, movies, and shows like Normal People, Fleabag, and I May Destroy You. Every single aspect of this podcast we do ourselves, from the preparation to the recording, from the editing to the social media promotion. So we're adding a Patreon platform because we want to keep making the show you love and hopefully expand it even further. So please consider becoming one of our most complicated fans and contributing on Patreon. To learn more, go to patreon.com forward slash popfictionwomen. This has been Pop Fiction Women with Corinne and Kate. If you enjoyed this show, please tell the complicated women in your life. And the men who love them. Yes, tell them to listen. And then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media. Tag us with your favorite books, TV shows, and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at popfictionwomen.com or on Twitter at pop underscore women. For more coverage of the women you love, or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, go to popfictionwomen.com. And keep it complicated.